Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, Insight Peterborough, which is a project of the Canadian Council of the Blind Peterborough Chapter, uh, otherwise and affectionately known as the CCB. And if you want to learn more about the CCB, all you have to do is email ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. And uh, you can also check out the website. Uh, there are things uh, that will be happening. And uh, so um, you can always uh, get caught up and keep caught up by uh, checking out the website. So, Bob, um, a few weeks ago, Jack Scott passed away. Remember Jack Scott from the uh, 19, uh, what, 1960s? Yeah, and one of his hits, Burning Bridges. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, the one that I chose uh, was uh, The Way I Walk. But um, before that, I do want to say that um, uh, one of the people that was in his group uh, was a, uh, a bass singer named uh, Roy Lesperance. And uh, Roy passed away not too long ago, and uh, Roy was a student of what was then known as the Ontario School for the Blind, and it's now called the W. Ross MacDonald School. So uh, can you find uh, The Way I Walk on uh, that uh, USB drive? I surely can, and would you like me to roll that now? I would. All right, then let's see what we can do. The way I walk is just the way I walk The way I talk is just the way I talk The way I smile is just the way I smile Touch me baby and I'll go hog wild The way I love is just the way I love Come on and be my little turtle dove Touch me baby, I feel so good I feel as though I wanna then I don't know if I should just a little more That's about right
and that was Jack Scott. And I think the group at that time was the individuals. I could be wrong with the way I walk. And uh, all the old icons are uh, are disappearing, but I guess when I say that, I kind of show my age. And me too. Yeah. I remember Jack Scott. Yeah. Well, if you listen to Trent Radio on a Tuesday afternoon, one of the shows that you will hear is entitled Disenabled, and the host is Justin Evangelo, and we have him here with us today. Hi there, Justin. How are you? Terrific. Thank you for having me, Devin. It's a real pleasure. I listen to Insight Peterborough every week and uh, do my dishes, so it's a, it's a great excuse to uh, do a little bit of housekeeping and listen to some of the great guests you have on. All right, uh, good. Uh, glad that uh, we have a faithful audience there. <laughs> <laughs> so you're taking, what are you taking at, uh, at Trent? I'm majoring in psychology, um, and uh, per semester I'd say my course load is very English-heavy, English-oriented. I'm not a very sciencey or mathematical person. <laughs> Okay. Oh, math. I was terrible at math. <laughs> uh, what year are you in? I'm in first year. This is my second semester. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, how long will the course be? Is it a four-year? It's a four-year. It's just a basic Bachelor of Arts degree. And then if I pursue Master's, it could uh, be, depending on if I keep my major as psychology or not, Two to three more years, and then, of course, doctorate, which is the holy Ooh. grail of all achievements at yeah. post-secondary. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, but you are not a uh, Peterborough native, are you? I'm not, no. Uh-huh. Uh, where do you hail from? I hail from Newcastle. It's, uh, it actually just turned from a village to a town, and the best way I could describe it would be about 20 minutes out from Oshawa. Ah, Okay. Uh, the other side of Oshawa? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Um, and you were born with um, visual impairment, were you? I wasn't born with it. To make a long story short, because I could be here for hours discussing <laughs> myself, I was diagnosed with retinoblastoma um, at about 18 months, a year and a half. I was not born with the condition, and what tipped my mother and well both my parents but especially my mother off that something was wrong was there would be times when I would be crawling around playing with my toys and in fact well actually I wasn't crawling around I was staying in one spot and that was so unlike me so she took me to Bowmanville Hospital some pictures were taken and interestingly what happened was the photographers said uh we see silver discs bouncing off of the camera when it flashes in your eyes. And they had never seen silver discs before. So they contacted SickKids Hospital. This is 2002. And they said, basically, get, uh, get your son <laughs> to my mother. They said, get your son here uh, right now. Um, silver discs mean retinal cancer. And if we don't treat it right away, it could spread to more of his brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. So was that just in, in the one eye? It was in both. Oh, okay. 
So what did they, what was the, the treatment? So I endured about a year and a half of chemotherapy. Um, very intense. Obviously, on a young child, the effect is massive. It completely destroyed my body, mainly my sense of taste. Uh, my mom called it metal mouth because I could not taste anything for a, a good chunk of time. And then... Apparently, when I was younger, I used to love vegetables, especially green beans. I could eat them by the bowlful. Mm -hmm. And then after my chemotherapy, I lost the taste for any vegetables, oh. any like something as simple as corn. I couldn't touch. Now I've sort of grown out of that and I'm coming back around. But um, it was mostly just chemotherapy. Yeah, I see. And that that's a long time to have to endure that. It, it was. It was scary for a lot of my family who uh, rallied in support behind me. They set up a fundraiser um, that was originally supposed to help my mother because she took so much time off of work, but which actually was relocated because she said that um, she was going to use it for my education to uh, a bank account and that's how I'm paying for my first year of university oh. with the generous donations of a, a lot of people um, and the the greatness of my family so I'm forever grateful for that because without that money I may be turning to loans that would take a while to pay back for yeah. my first year yeah uh-huh excuse me but how uh, do you find uh, coping with uh, your somewhat disability there well, the thing of it is, I don't remember what it was like to be fully sighted. And so, as I tell people, you can't miss what you don't remember. And because of that, I've never known anything different. So I'm not sure I have to cope because it's so normal to me that it's just taken for granted in a sense, at least by myself, that problem solving is an integral part of my everyday life. Um, if I had to name a coping strategy, it would be just to try to participate in as many activities, as many life events, be as social and out and you know, get out there as much as possible as uh, my, my fully bodied and fully sighted peers. Um, if not, um, I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice because I'm really not taking advantage of the avenues that are available and the accommodations that people can provide for me because of my disability. Now, uh, did you have to have surgery at all? I did. I had my left eye completely removed. It's a prosthetic. Uh -huh. And then there was a tumor in my right eye. And what happened was when they went in to remove it, there was a mix-up. I'm not sure about any of the small technicalities of it. There was a, a mess-up, and they were able to shrink it. And the reason why they aren't able to fully remove it is because they say that if they try now, there's a good chance that if they do, that I may lose my sight completely. So it's not worth the risk no. to go in there with the off chance of having a little bit more sight restored versus going fully blind. It's just, it's like flipping a coin, right? Yeah. So yeah. Not in the cards. No. No. So you do have some sight in that one eye. I do. It's less than 1% and people, when you tell them that, you know, go agape and say, how can you see anything at all? And the age old question comes up, well, then what can you see? And again, I 
yeah. can't tell you because I don't remember what it was like to f- be fully sighted. Right. Yeah. But you can see light? I can see light, color, shapes, um, especially shapes that are close, close to me, super ah, close. Right. Uh, but my vision distance is slim, slim and none. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but you didn't go to the, I was referring earlier uh, to the uh, W. Ross McDonald School, did you? No, I didn't. Um, I went the Catholic school route. I attended St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Elementary, which is a school in my hometown of Newcastle. I had an educational assistant and a vision teacher to assist me from grades... um, JK all the way up through grade eight, and then the vision teacher stuck with me all the way from nine to 12. And uh, the high school I attended was St. Stephen Secondary School in Bowmanville. So I didn't stray too far from home. And the reason why, a a big part of the reason why I didn't attend uh, any schools for the blind was because my parents were convinced that I was capable as anybody else of basically doing what everybody else could and in a setting where um, everybody else, every everyone else who was fully bodied was doing it. Yeah. And to prove that to everybody who doubted me and those who believed in me as well is just so rewarding after, you know, almost oh, 16 years of schooling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and competitive marks? Competitive marks. Um, I, I I really try to stay humble when it comes to to that. But I was oh, able. You don't have to. <laughs> it's only Trent Radio, right? No, I um I did well. Uh, Good. Sco- uh, uh, in terms of, I guess you could call it a scholastic career. Um, I started off with uh, A's and B's, all the way up until around grade six, and then I I seemed to just take off um, with mid to high nineties all the way up through grade 12, dipping a little in grade 9, of course, with the adjustment to high school. But in saying that, um, if anything wasn't less than a 90, I was disappointed. And I don't know where that pressure came from because it wasn't like my my parents were pressuring me to, to get those esteem marks. I just found that if I were going to keep pace with my peers in any category it it could be marks that was the easiest avenue for me to do so yeah do you think that uh going through that will help you uh in your chosen field if you keep on with psychology i do it's a competitive market but again there's also a high demand for them and if i can rise above unconscious systemic discrimination because statistically speaking even though i am male and white, you know, um, the visual impairment is a disability and those who have physical disabilities, statistically speaking, are less likely to be employed um, by by whatever employer. And so I think if I can stick with it with whatever chosen profession I, I choose to pursue, whether it be psychology or an arts major or philosophy or whatever sort of interest, if I do deviate, that my my drive and work ethic and scholastic transcript will prove to be almost in, invaluable because again it's my way of proving no matter how shallow you think grades may be that I am just as capable as my fully bodied peers. Yeah. 
And uh, would you even perhaps think about uh, teaching as a vocation? It's funny because a lot of people bring up a couple things. First, my voice. They say you got a face for radio, which I appreciate. Second, they bring up the the fact that I'm I'm a good talker, and apparently my stage presence leaves something to be desired. So I don't think teaching as a profession would be my number one pick. Perhaps being a professor at a, a post-secondary level may be in the cards, though, because I do enjoy talking to people and passing along knowledge to those who want to learn. And the logic behind that is if you pay for your education, even though there are exceptions to the rule, you're going to want to listen more. What were your hobbies uh, growing up? Growing up, I played a lot of video games. I was that person who had to have the latest system and the latest games. Um, I also, um, funny enough, I actually watched quite a bit of sports growing up. I, I still love sports. I love sitting down every Saturday night, Hockey Night in mm -hmm. Canada. I'm a, a diehard Maple Leafs fan through and through. Yes. Heartbreaker of a game last Saturday I to know. watch or yeah. listen to on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, those were my two main pursuits, aside from reading and writing, which are my two life passions. But again, obtaining Braille books isn't what it was even 10 years ago. It wasn't quite as easy as it is now. So any scrap of Braille book I could get my hands on, I was mowing it down. It was like, you know, flipping the pages like they were on fire. Yeah. And that kept me busy for, oh, well, 16-ish, 15 years, and here I am now. So. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, so do you use uh, a Braille display in... in uh, uh, class now, or do you have a, a note taker? So the way, the system that works best for me, I used to have a Braille display, an Alva. It was a great piece of machinery, and then I found that they didn't have too long a lifespans. I don't know if it was just that I received two duds of Alva BC oh. displays, but some of the dots weren't poking through the display, and that was a common theme through the latter half of my elementary school career. I tried it on for size in high school, but I just found that with rotary and moving between classes, the Alva was just an extra baggage that I, I didn't need. Oh. And not that I'm not gentle with my electronics, but I didn't want to beat something up that was hundreds of dollars and then have it not work on me. So the system I have implemented now is just a, a basic JAWS windows set up and uh, that usually works for me now in rare cases i will if i'm editing a paper that's very technical and i got to watch my grammar and pay attention to the smaller details i will emboss or hand braille on my brailler uh, a certain excerpt of it that i'm not quite sure of in order to get a better grade. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, right. you got to do what you got to do, right? Well, so but that's the system that works for me. And um, people have tried to talk me into getting another Braille display. And I say, no, it's, um, it's, it, it hasn't really worked for me in the past. And I'm quite satisfied with keeping my Brailler and my computer on opposite s sides of the, the fence. And that's what works for me. Yeah. So do you take uh, a laptop to class to make notes? I, I do. I have a nice HP with uh, Windows 10 JAWS installed on it and uh, Microsoft Word. And that's basically what my system consists of. Um, 
yeah, that's that's the basic setup. I open a new document every time I take notes. All of my textbooks, thanks to the Great Student Accessibility Services office at Trent University, are converted into Microsoft Word documents for my viewing pleasure or not, depending on if I want to read some terrific scholarly source. And I'm off to the races. All right. Do you find that you might also uh, record some of your... Uh, text or class? I, I do. In there, There's been some cases early on in my university uh, experience career, whichever you'd like to call it, where getting our hands on something complex like a graphic novel was not in the cards as a Microsoft Word document conversion because of the pictures. And so what my technologist, Caleb Hunt, did, he works for Student Accessibility Services at Trent University, terrific at... Uh, pulling some strings, and he definitely knows his way around accessible technology. Cool. What he did was he contacted, I don't know, I don't remember specifically what the library was. It was out of British Columbia, and the book was Fun Home by, I can't place the author's name. Anyway, because it was a graphic novel, the library already had an MP3 file converted um, with someone describing the pictures. And now that's better than nothing, of course. Yeah. So we took it, and I listened to the uh, four-hour audio version of it, and it was spectacularly done for what they had to work with. Some of the descriptions, of course, were lacking because there's only so much you can do when there's text on top of images on top of text. But um, as as far as books go, in rare cases, yes, I will receive some audio. And to answer the other half of your question, Bob, I do record lectures sometimes as fail-safes for when uh, technology goes awry. I will have them as a backup in case I need to re-listen to certain parts or talk to somebody about visuals that they're discussing in tandem with the PowerPoints that some teachers do post on the Blackboard website for Trent students. And that's just a peace of mind thing where if I miss something or I wasn't paying attention because I've got an earbud in and I'm typing away on my computer with JAWS, so I'm trying to listen to two voices or, uh, at once and then type, so I'm multi-multitasking, oh, yeah. Yeah. it can get extremely uh, difficult. So, I, again, it's, it's fail-safe, and I, I do do it uh, just for some peace of mind and as a plan B because you, you never know when you may need it. Mm -hmm. And when you do record, uh, you use your phone, do you? I actually don't. I use something called a Plex Talk, and ah. it's specifically designed to record conferences and lectures and anything you may need. That's how I record all of my music for my show, if, uh, if I do play music, if there's time. It's only half an hour. And uh, it, it works wonders. It's got six different recording settings. One of them you can customize. And it's got a little SD card you can slot into it that can hold up to 64 hours of lecture or any sort of content. And it's, it's a terrific little device. It fits right in your pocket. Oh, well, cool. That's a good one. Yeah. So speaking of your show, mm -hmm. um, is it because people said that you had a good uh, radio voice <laughs> that you decided to have a show here on Trent? I, I was always told ever since my Adam's apple started to develop, as one may say, and my voice started to drop, that I definitely had uh, a, a nice voice. I hate the sound of my voice played <laughs> back to me. absolutely despise it. But I thought to myself, well, if so many people are saying you have a great voice— why don't you just email 
Trent Radio, and oh. I did in in August, and I said I love the content that's coming out of here. Can you slot me in? So they may what what Jill Stavely did, amazingly, was basically she made available the unaccessible. What would you call it? Um, program proposal. There we go. I couldn't place it. Ah, uh, yeah. To me, and she said basically just email me the outline of your show, and I'll ask you about any further details if they arise, and uh, I'll talk to you if we need clarification. And I put it in, and uh, one semester and a half later, I'm doing it, and I'm absolutely loving it. I can't get enough of it. I'm. I, I look forward to my spot every. Well, Tuesday now, but every week. And uh, I have to, I guess, give a big shout out to everybody who told me, you've definitely got a, a voice or, or face for radio because, well, they were writing that uh, not only may I have that talent, but I also quite enjoy it. Oh, that's great. And use it well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, Jill is very accommodating and uh, super lady. Um, so, uh, what, what have you uh, got planned for tomorrow? Uh, oh, and what time? Oh, um, my show is Tuesdays from 1 to one thirty. It used to be Fridays, now it's Tuesdays. Uh, that's just because of my scheduling and classes. Sometimes classes don't always cooperate with your right. radio schedule, yeah. and you have to prioritize, sadly. Yeah. Tomorrow, I'm planning to have a good friend of mine in, and uh, it's my first... Sorry, my second fully sighted guest. We became quick friends in September and October, beginning of the semester. Didn't even know each other existed before then. And I'm just going to talk to her about what it's like being a fully sighted person in a fully sighted world and seeing not just people with visual impairment like myself or people who are fully blind like you, Devin, but anybody with a physical disability and get their, well, get her perspective on it. All right. Well, that sounds really interesting. Should be fun. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's at one thirty. One o'clock. One o'clock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, do you um, are are you the only? Do you know if you're the only uh, student with a visual impairment here at Trent? I am definitely not. I've physically and quite literally run into people who have visual impairments on campus. Ah. The only other person, student, I, um, that's going to Trent that I know by name who is visually impaired, he has a little bit more sight than I do, his name is Brett LeBlanc and he's actually going into his second year master's degree for psychology so he's making strides in the academic world. But aside from that, I think there are about five to seven of us on campus. Uh, okay. So if he's going into uh, psychology and the master's, he'll be able to kind of uh, uh, drop some uh, breadcrumbs of uh, knowledge and information <laughs> along the way, right? Not only in psychology, but I can't tell you how many times I've bugged him uh, through text asking because the fact I'm a, a JAWS user and I can't see the screen very well of a computer. I don't use my trackpad or my mouse, and he knows everything about shortcut keys and hotkeys. So uh -huh. it'll be the dead of the night, and I'll tag, hey, Brett, do you know this, or do you know how to do this or that, or what's the, what's the shortcut key for formatting something? Yeah. And uh, it's it, his insights into that and also into psychology have been invaluable. I, I've asked him a couple of times, 
what's the playbook on this professor? What should I keep an eye out for? Are there any teachers that you've had problems with in the past? <laughs> Uh, what things should I study more for in, on a certain exam or in, in this area or that area of psychology? So, yes, it does come in handy to make friends with those who not only have a similar dis physical disability to you, but who have walked the walk you're walking now yeah. in previous years and have struggled so you don't have to. Yeah, for and sure. And they are willing to help you. That, I think, is a good one, too. For sure. Any other courses other than uh, psychology? I think you mentioned something there. I love writing. I took a creative writing course last semester, and it was terrific. We read a lot about how to write, what writers of privilege should be allowed to write, a lot of different topics just about writing, and then there were a few creative writing assignments like essays. And now I'm taking a technical writing course, and... As dry as it sounds, it's about grammar and punctuation. But the professor, uh, Rob Winger, if anybody listening knows him, is absolutely terrific in the way he teaches it because he makes it interesting. What he does is he supplements all of your grammar, quizzing, testing, studying with interesting books about hot topics today. So we just literally read a book of essays about baseball of all sports oh, wow. and the way it's written by the author Andrew Forbes the book is called the utility of boredom is is a great title I know yeah. <laughs> is absolutely terrific now I'm a literary nerd and I love poetic language when it's done properly but something as simple as baseball what Forbes does in the book through 25 essays is basically takes an aspect of the sport or a player of the sport and applies it to a bigger metaphoric concept in life, like aging or something like that. So wow. it really... How about watching paint dry? That picture to throw the ball. Yeah, really. It's in his first essay called The Utility of Boredom. It's the self-titled one. He talks about how boredom can be useful and how, you know, we're in a get-up-and-go society stereotypically and a little bit of a cliché, and um, it's interesting to take a moment and, and ponder that. There's also, we're, we're just wrapping up a book right now in the course about feminism. Oh. Uh, we're reading a book, the title of it is uh, Notes from a Feminist Killjoy. It's by Aaron Wunker. And it's, uh, I mean, the, the the books have got great titles, and yeah. he's taught them, uh, Rob Winger has taught them for years. Um, and I asked him why he picked certain books, uh, and he said, well, two reasons. One, to distract from the boredom and monotony of <laughs> grammar testing, uh -huh. and two, because they interest him. And if they're real-world issues, they'll interest a good chunk of the people he teaches as well. Right. So I'm really enjoying those type of courses, and I'm also a huge philosophy buff. I love any anybody from the ancient thinkers like Plato all the way up to more modern philosophers. And so to study, we're just moving our way through Rene Descartes right now and his meditations. We, we're wrapping that up on Wednesday in class and moving on to, to bigger and better things. Um, I'm that guy in the room who will literally question everything and uh, ask you how you know everything you know and uh, have to run away when people get angry at me because of I'm asking the unanswerable questions. And so aside from psychology, those two, three 
types of areas in language, creative writing, and philosophy really just not only fascinate me, but motivate me to want to look deeper into my personal life experience and then take a reflective lens and apply it to what even something as simple as what we're talking about now with physical disability. Do you think that we might be looking forward to a book from? <laughs> uh, I'd like to say it was in it was in the cards, but uh, I, I I never say never. Yeah, I would love you're to. Young yet. <laughs> Anything is possible. Anything is possible. I would love to be a full time novelist. If I could have a dream job, it would be writing steadily whether it be novels or creative nonfiction or a journalist, anything to do with that kind of area where you're, you're always writing. Um, it just, it's fascinating to me. So Bob, uh, keep your eyes peeled in the next five yeah, years. You I just, you, you, for your title yeah, you just may never know. <laughs> well, I'm sure that uh, one of the things you can certainly write about is your own personal experiences. Yeah. People seem to be a little bit interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Justin, for coming. We really appreciate uh, having you. And uh, once again, Justin's show is at 1 o'clock on Tuesday afternoons called Disenabled. I like the title of your show. Oh, thank you. I conceived of it literally as I was writing out my program proposal at 2 a.m. to Jill. Thank you so much, Devin, for having me on. This was so much fun. And uh, I, I don't usually like talking about myself that much, but some of your questions, both you, yours and Bob's, were absolutely terrific. Thank you so much, and uh, best of luck. I can't wait to listen to the latter half of this show and all the ones to come on well, Mondays at 4 to 5. You know that we're all quite lucky to have this community radio here, Grant Radio, uh, that uh, they have uh, put together, and it's fantastic that uh, not only... Uh, uh, Devin and I, but you and a lot of other people are using this great facility. No doubt. Yeah, community radio is wonderful. All right, uh, we better uh, get on to uh, playing your song while we uh, uh, change guests. And uh, let me see, uh, I picked a song. Oh, I know. If, um, if you remember Bonanza, uh, the TV show, from uh, years, yes, I do too, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then even further back than that, there was a fellow named Lauren Green who was on the radio, uh, Canadian radio, and covering. He used to be called the Voice of Doom, covering uh, the war and that sort of thing. Well, he got show- chosen to be Ben Cartwright on Bonanza, and so here he is singing Bonanza. Welcome to the Ponderosa, my friends, for an evening of songs and stories about the American West, a land of legend, of romance, of friendship and loyalty and courage, a motherload of remembrance, a true bonanza. We chased the luck till we finally struck Bonanza. With a gun and a rope and a hat full of hope, we planted our family tree. We got a hold of a pot full of gold bonanza. With a horse and a saddle and a ring full of cattle, how rich could a fella be? On this land we put our brand, how trite is the name? Fortune smiled the day we piled the Ponderosa claim. Here in the West we're living in the best bonanza. If 
If anyone fights any one of us, he's gonna fight with me. And Joe and Adam know every rock and pine. No one works, fights, or eats like those boys of mine. Here we stand in the middle of a grand bonanza. With a gun and a rope and a hat full of hope, we planted our family tree. We got a hold of a pot full of gold bonanza. With a house full of friends with a rainbow ends, how rich can a fella be? On this land we put our brand, our pride is the name. Fortune smile the day we file the Ponderosa claim. Here in the West, we're living in the best bonanza. The friendliest, whiteness, lovingest band that ever set foot in a promised land. And we're happier than them all. That's why we call it Bonanza. 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 Well, that'll certainly bring on an attack of uh, nostalgia for a lot of people. <laughs> and uh, I only got that uh, song recently. I did not know that he sang that. Lauren Green, singing. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. I have a few songs uh, that he sang. Uh, Ringo, for one. Well, he spoke that one more, I think, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was a, a versatile fellow just like uh, Justin that we just had uh, here. And I understand that also uh, for a while there was the Lorne Green School of Broadcasting. I think uh, That I've was heard before any that. of the other schools picked that up? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, uh, so going from uh, something as uh, that brings on nostalgia like uh, Lorne Green and Bonanza, we're going to uh, fast forward to the world of podcasting. And we're going to speak with the, and you can correct me if you want, the operations manager? Managing director. Managing director, okay, of the uh, Peterborough Independent Podcasters, PIP. And uh, uh, the name is Aisha Barmania. Hi, Aisha, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me, Devin. Nice to have you. Uh, so maybe you could begin by explaining what podcasts are. Sure. So podcasts are, uh, so podcasting refers to um, a format for accessing media on the internet. It's usually audio files. Um, often they sound like radio shows. Sometimes they are radio shows. Um, I used to, they, I, uh, my first podcast I ever did was actually a Trent radio show that I started that I wanted to save online. Uh, so I uploaded it and it became a podcast that way. Um, so podcast just means it's downloadable audio usually um, that you can listen to wherever you are. Yeah, you can take it with you. I, I tell people a, a podcast is radio without the radio. Yeah. <laughs> You do need other devices. You would need like a, a phone or iPod or a computer or, you know, yes, whatever they got these days. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it kind of simplifies things in some ways and makes it more complicated than others. But it lets you listen to content yeah. uh, on your own schedule. And how did you come up with the idea of uh, PIP, the Peterborough Independent Podcasters? Yeah, so... 
it kind of goes back to that Trent radio show that I used to do. Um, and I'm actually doing it again now. It's called Sounds Like Life. And um, I was looking around for different ways to uh, turn it into a podcast. And I didn't like some of the options that are currently available. Um, for instance, like SoundCloud um, or uh, there's a couple other uh, hosting platforms. There used to be fewer back then, and that was only like f four years ago. Um, and there's more now, some with better options. But at the time, I decided um, I wanted to figure out how a podcast worked and see if it was something that I could do uh, on my own. And turns out it, it wasn't that hard. You, you need a website, and you need your website to make an RSS feed. But if you can do that, you can make a podcast. And once I'd done that, I was like, oh, maybe some other folks in Peterborough are also interested in podcasting and we could share resources uh, to have this website together and we can host all of our podcasts. Um, so we organized a little meeting here at the Trent Radio Kitchen and there were some folks who were interested and then Pip was born out of that. We were kind of a, uh, like an ad hoc group um, at, uh, for the first year and a half and then we incorporated as a not-for-profit and um, our kind of baseline was uh, operating the website that hosts these podcasts. But really, we've grown into a lot more of an educational uh, organization that provides a lot of resources to folks who want to learn about podcasting, um, who want to take their podcast to the ne next level, um, have questions about how it all works. Um, and we do a lot of workshops and stuff, too. So um, kind of started out as just a thing I wanted to do. And then it grew into something a lot bigger based on what I was seeing in the community. Mm -hmm. I would think, though, that it's somewhat uh, computer-based, would it not be? It is, yeah. Um, podcasts run on a website, so you do need to have some way of accessing the Internet. Um, you can make a podcast just with your phone, um, for sure, but um, it's often easiest with a computer. Um, and just based on how the Internet works these days, um, your computer and your the way you access the Internet has to be in specific ways, otherwise it, sometimes these things don't necessarily work. So um, we were having some issues um, actually with Devin's podcast, um, having uh, Devin's computer access her podcasting site. So kind of coming out of these experiences of like, oh, you know, folks need certain equipment to access podcasting. How can we bridge that gap? We started the podcast accessibility drop-in uh, last year. Sorry, that's a kind of an info dump, but... So do you need the latest uh, computer to do that? You would need... Um, it's, it's sort of a mishmash of a couple different requirements, but uh, you need an internet browser, an up-to-date internet browser, and most internet browsers need an up-to-date operating system. So if you're on Windows, you probably need Windows 10 now because they're not op updating previous operating mm -hmm. systems for Windows. Um, and then you need... Um, uh, an internet browser like Edge or Firefox or Chrome. I think Opera works as well, but something like Internet Explorer doesn't work so well anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's but, um, Chrome. Uh, uh huh. Good luck on that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, that would work for you if you have the proper uh, um, site to go to and the proper operating system and uh, the software. I guess that you would need. Yeah, absolutely. So it kind of comes down to. Um, once you have a place to put your podcast files, like your MP3 audio files, uh, you also need the kind of software to do the editing and do the recording and make sure you are creating the audio that you want to, to publish. So 
Um, yeah, we kind of bridge that gap as well. So if there's any points in the process when you feel overwhelmed or you want to be walked through, uh, you can come by the podcast accessibility drop-ins, which are on Sunday afternoons from uh, 12 till 2. And, and is that an actual location or is that, again, uh, online? It's an actual location. So we do it here at Trent Radio. Uh, we have a very nice sponsorship from Trent Radio or partnership where we uh, are able to use the space on Sunday afternoons for a couple hours and folks are able to stop by and get help uh, making a podcast. Well, that's fantastic. Maybe I'll join you one Sunday afternoon. Here. Absolutely. Learn how to do this. <laughs> for sure. Well, speaking of that, uh, you're going to be offering a, uh, a workshop for mm -hmm. people with disabilities, aren't you? That's right. Yeah. So, um, Devin, you're playing coy a little bit. You're <laughs> you're also um, leading the workshop with me. We're <laughs> we're co-leading this uh, podcasting 101 for people with disabilities. Um, so podcasting 101 is uh, sort of the signature workshop that we do at PIP, where we go over um, basically all that it takes to make a podcast from what is a podcast to what kind of podcasts are out there uh, to how to best plan or think it through like what you want to get out of your podcast um, and then like the actual practical technical skills of recording and editing uh, and then some options for uh, having your podcast hosted we put the we do a little bit of a pitch for having it hosted with pip but we also kind of we'll, we'll talk about the other options out there if, if you don't ultimately want to be hosted with us but we are Pretty cheap and oh, yeah. pretty great. Yes, Is there a, a limit as to what you can enter. Um, in terms of number of files or podcast episodes, no. Okay, uh, length. Uh, you can just <laughs> write a book and yeah, enter it in. Uh, <laughs> like. If yeah. you feel like reading it <laughs> in installments. <laughs> yeah. There's a um, there's a file upload size limit, so you're limited to 64 megabytes per file size. Um, but there's no tr limit in terms of length, so as long as it's below that file size, you can go on as long as you want. You could do a five-hour podcast. Oh, don't no. think anyone would want to listen to it, but uh, you know. sure could. You know, yeah, you never know. So are they mostly uh, an hour in length or a half hour? Or um, I always say that it depends on the person and the show. Um, I think the the thing that matters, people always ask me if, if there's an ideal podcast length. Uh, I think there's a lot of appetite for like 20 to 30 minute long podcasts. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that really matters is that you're consistent. Uh, so I always recommend folks who come to PIP for advice to... Um, think through the podcast and kind of come up with a format that you're able to deliver on every time um, because that's going to keep your audience coming back to you and let your audience make the decision of whether this program is for them or not. Yeah. So maybe I don't have time in my life for a five-hour podcast uh, every week, but I might have the ability, but, you know, maybe I do. Maybe your audience is the, you know, select number of people who have five hours a week to listen to you. Um, but as long as they know what it is and can keep coming back to it and getting the same kind of stuff, uh, you'll build your audience best that way. Is there like an oversight or a referee that's involved there as well? Um, no. You're the editor and producer of your own show. Um, we have a code of conduct at PIP, so uh, no hate speech, no offensive content. Um, uh, otherwise, you would get reprimanded or your file taken down. But other than that, you are the boss of your own show. And uh, if you have a story that you want to, like, 
Devin has with her shows here. Yeah, Devin has three podcasts and a fourth on the way. (laughs) What are they, Devin? Uh, Well, this is one of them, Insight Peterborough. I I take um, uh, the uh, show and uh, edit out whatever I need to or uh, want to or whatever, and then bring it here to Trent Radio on a Sunday afternoon and get help from Aisha or Rob or Jeff or whoever it happens to be uh, to upload it to the um, uh, to uh, the site because the software that I have now on my computer isn't quite what it should be. Uh, I'm hoping to get that changed. But uh, so there is Insight Peterborough. And then I do Spotlight on Assistance Dogs, which is a monthly podcast about guide hearing or service dogs. That's only a half hour in length. And the other one uh, that's in existence at the moment is Canadians in Old Time Radio. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, and there are a few. Yes. <laughs> and including Lord Green. Including Lord Green, yes. So you can access any of those. So if somebody wanted to access, and I know that that a lot of people are listening to podcasts now and creating them, but for those who might want to listen and not sure just how to find certain podcasts by certain people, how would they do that, Aisha? Sure. So what I would recommend as a starting point is just using Google. Um, so, for instance, uh, I could say into my phone, okay, Google, play the latest episode of Insight Peterborough podcast. Sure. Here's the latest episode of podcast, Insight Peterborough, coronavirus, and get together with Kim. Cool. And well, hello there, Bob Chrysler. <laughs> and hello to you, Devin. <laughs> and there it is. And not to get too meta, but um, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Google is fully integrated with all these podcasts, so that's a great way to get started. Uh, if you have like a, a Google Home device or an Android, I think Siri is also able to do this kind of stuff. So if you have Apple, um, and then otherwise, uh, you're you're able to just go to directly to these podcast websites. So I could go to insightpeterborough.ptbopodcasters.ca to access this. Um, or uh, there, most people use podcast apps. Uh, so iTunes is, or Apple Podcasts is a big, really popular one. Uh, I use Pocket Casts. Um, so those are d- uh, apps that you can uh, download for your, for, your, for your phone, usually. How about uh, perhaps the use of copyrighted material or um, music that uh, you really don't own? Yeah, you. I always recommend folks get written permission from the musicians, um, from all the copyright holders, uh, uh, or the other re, uh, the other way that you're able to use uh, copyrighted material is if you're uh, doing fair dealing. So if you're actually taking the music as the or the copyrighted material as the subject of your uh, podcast and building on it in a way or critiquing it or doing a, some kind of analysis, um, then you're able to use copyrighted material. But if you're just using copyrighted material to enhance the the kind of production value of your show, it's always best to get permission. And in some cases, the artist might want to get paid. So it's always good to do that. All right. And if you have uh, a whole uh, shall we say, library of this stuff, 
still be careful. I think that's the, the best idea, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's lots of libraries out there of uh, Creative Commons and free music that you're able to use in podcasts. So if, if you just want to kind of quickly get some music, there's lots of resources out there, libraries where you can download that kind of material. But I wouldn't necessarily be playing like Bob Dylan uh, no. in the middle of my podcast. But there is public, lo uh, public domain, I'll get it out, yeah, <laughs> public domain music. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So uh, when is this uh, podcast 101 for people with disabilities going to take place? So it is coming up. Let me just make sure that I get the date right. Um, it is coming up on uh, March 10th, which is a Tuesday at 6 p.m. Um, we expect it to run for about three hours. So from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Venture North building uh, at 270 George Street. All right. And how do people go about uh, registering? Uh, we ask folks to send us an email. So it's just info at ptbopodcasters.ca. Um, you can find all the details about this on our website, ptbopodcasters.ca. And um, yeah, uh, I'd also just like to say thank you to the, oh, what are they called? The uh, Accessibility and Inclusion Network, uh, who's sponsoring this event um, and generously donating the space at Venture North uh, for us to run this, which is wheelchair accessible and has a number of uh, accessibility devices uh, for folks. Yes, for sure. Thank you very much. That's great. So um, is, uh, is there a charge for this? Um, $20 is our recommended uh, ticket price, but we're also pay-what-you-can kind of um, and we're also hoping to potentially find a couple sponsors to free up a couple spaces uh, for folks uh, who are on a fixed income. So uh, if any organizations or are out there or any generous uh, individuals want to kick us some money to make some spots available, uh, that'd be super appreciated. Yeah. Uh, so is there a registration deadline? Uh, not really. We just ask folks uh, to let us know as soon as possible, particularly if there are any accessibility needs um, so that we can accommodate that. So um, ideally a week before, but uh, I wouldn't let that exclude you if uh, if you don't know until the, the day or two before. Yeah. Um, I'll also just mention quickly uh, for folks um, without disabilities, we are running this workshop also on Saturday this week, February 15th at 1 p.m. at Southerhurst. Okay, all right. That's great. So, and should they register? Yes, same, same, same deal. Uh, yeah. Email us, info at ptbopodcasters.ca. Right. Terrific. The old clock on the wall yes. and the watch and, on the uh, wrist tells yeah. me. To, maybe you can mention what you're planning for next week, uh, Devin. Uh, we will see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Uh, first of all, thanks, Aisha, for for coming and uh, telling us all about that uh, March 10th uh, podcast 101. For Absolutely. Thanks the, for having me. Yeah. Okay. Anytime. And thank you, folks, for listening. I'm not sure if we have time to play anything, Bob. Not really. No? Not really, except okay. to uh, uh, thank our guests once again, I believe. And you know what? Uh, listen to some of the podcasts and everybody knows now that on Sunday if they come to Trent Radio Sunday afternoons they can learn a lot more about podcasting and then on Tuesday afternoons our guest that was talking about uh, disabilities and all that we can check on that yeah 
this enable. But that's a radio program, not a podcast. No, radio so, program. Course. Currently. Right. Yes. Maybe someday. I, yeah, that would be really good uh, if he were to uh, put turn that into a podcast. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So take good care, folks, and uh, talk to you next week. Bye for now. Bye-bye now.